Hey, what's going on, GNGs? It's your boy Trek, and this is Trekking Cryptos to Connect. If you're a returning listener, thanks again for coming back. If this is your first time hearing it, I really appreciate. Hopefully, you learned something. Hopefully, something gives you some insight on what you're trying to get done. So, for the first episode, I'm talking about life in the universe and what I was going through earlier this year in January for when I was actually about to leave the job. It was a real pivotal moment for what particularly happened that day. And also, I bring up the whole thing of like, if you're looking to do career changes, like, there's never the perfect moment, right? Um, That is just something that I've learned as I've done multiple career changes. In the second half, I end up talking with Africanus Okofi, and he is somebody I happen to come across on LinkedIn. When you hear what we talk about, you'll see why I'm definitely um, glad that I had the opportunity to interview him, because he is definitely uh, a, a true digital nomad, and he knows so much about cryptocurrencies and blockchain and actually using it in everyday life. Moving forward, I wanted to say a special shout out and thanks to the Latin American Bitcoin and Blockchain Conference for sponsoring me to come down to Chile um, in South America at literally next week, actually, for their conference that will be in Santiago, Chile. Um, This is going to be a great opportunity to get some interviews in and really understand what's going on in South America when it comes to cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology. Once again, thanks to them for their assistance in this. So here's the episode. Enjoy. Hey, hey, what's going on, G&G? So, it's me, Trek, and I had to let that one ride in a little bit right there. Like, I haven't um, gotten to listen to some Tribe Called Quest in a minute, and this was, like, one of my joints. So, uh, video on this point right now is life, the universe. I'm not trying to sound, like, religious, spiritual, none of that fun stuff for those of you who are. And not trying to be metaphysical and all that, but um, I am a true believer in everything happens for a reason. This week, I had a situation happen at my job that really showed me um, that that simile of like either you're gonna chill or get off the pot. Yeah, I had life, like the universe reminded me of that this week. And um, you, in my experience, GNGs, um, it, it's one of those things where, with everything going on and me wanting to make this transition and looking at the timeline that I was looking at, uh, sometimes life just happens, and you might have your plan. But life is like, nah, we're going to do something else. And so in the moment, things might look really screwed up because it totally catches you left field. You know, Um, when the situation actually went down, it made me think of um, um, that that track from the movie, Everybody Wears Sunscreen. And if any of y'all know about that, you know what I'm talking about, because there's a lot in there where he says it's like the... The, the the thing that catches you left field on a Tuesday, except it was a Wednesday. It was hump day, okay? 
And uh, I had to walk out my building on some like, all right, how do I take this right now? What does this mean? You know, I didn't like, let me, let me call the astrologist and look at the numbers and all that stuff. But I had a conversation or two with some people and um, I, I, how to say this? I acted accordingly or I reacted accordingly. Not saying like I did anything crazy or hectic. I work in a very professional place. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm not trying to be that guy who gets dragged out. Like not at all, <laughs> not at all. Um, I have too many other things that are connected to my good standing that will not allow things like that to happen. Um, but yeah, you know, the universe does what it does. Um, everything happens for a reason. We just don't always get to know the reason. I have definitely over the years come to know that. Not think it, not feel it, like no. Things happen and like there's been things that's happened in my past that it's only now when I talk to some of my family members or other people that I know who was there in those moments to put me on to like what the back conversation was that I wasn't even a part of or even knew was happening. Um, and it's just, you know, things work out how they do. I'll talk, I'll definitely end up talking more about this particular situation in the coming weeks. Um, what else I just wanted to say on this? In regards to the situation though, if you look into get into this blockchain space, you want to do either, you know, like we all know what my goal is. My goal is to develop the skills to be a small contract developer slash auditor, right? Um, if you want to make a career change into something else and whatever that is, is, is a, is a, you're doing one of those, like, I gotta wait for the perfect moment things. There is no perfect moment when you move it forward. There is just, you, you happen to fall on the right moment. And then X amount of the other times, it's just, hey, either you're going to jump or you're going to get the hell out of here and just move on or go back to what it is that, you know, you was comfortable in. Um, I, I said it before that I've done career changes before where um, I went from one thing I, I was doing to something that was totally different. But those were established industries, established job titles and things like that. Those are things that have existed for decades. You know what I'm saying? This is a whole different realm. And yeah, I had my timeline and I had a, a, a relative plan. But like I said, things have worked out how they have. And now I got to look at it and go, okay. I have to now really follow through on, on, on what I've been talking, what I've been thinking, what I've been indicating to myself and some others of what I wanted to do. Now I have, I'm in the position of having to actually back up the shit that I was talking. Uh, and in the next couple of weeks, we will rehash this issue moving and then move forward in it but um 
I'm taking it as a sign that hey, you're gonna have to jump, bro, two feet in. Like, I, I, that's one of the things I say. Like, you jump two feet in head first. Now, if you picture that in your head, it looks very funny, but as a metaphor or as a simile, whatever, um, it makes sense on the end of the whole commitment factor to something. And it makes me think of um, what Andreas was talking about with the finding out about Bitcoin and the technology and then really being like, you know what, I want to know more about this. And so even if you ain't on, you know, wanting to get into this space, but you want to make that switch over, you want to understand something more or, or get into another thing career wise or just whatever for your interest wise, like, are you just going to tap around it? Do you really want to deal with it? I don't know. That's on you. I know for me though, this environment, this situation, this crossover, this career change situation is like real. And the level of commitment, hence the head first, two feet in, or two feet head first, you know, um, is, is what it is right now. But uh, I just wanted to bring that up to y'all. Like, it could be scary. I ain't gonna lie. And hopefully you got a good support team around you. And hopefully uh, you at least had some basic and backups um, set in place to work for you in case things took longer than you initially um, planned to get to like, you know, point one, point two, goal, X amount of months down the line, then the next goal after that. Um, what do I want to say? You got any questions, just hit it in the comments. Um, catch me on the Telegram. I'm on the Twitter um, now. I'm working on that drink. Uh, and like let's grow let's grow together i'm a newbie i'm trying to make my way in this situation i'm not even gonna say try i am making my way in this situation like that's the head you gotta go in with on this it's a whole new realm a whole new space there are no universal standards yet so we getting in on the ground level in regards to Smart contract development, being an auditor, or just dealing in the realm of smart contracts. And oh, that reminds me, we got to talk about this pillar situation. That's going to be another episode or two down the road. But yeah, um, GNGs, that's it right there. I'm Trek. This is Smart Trekking. Um, thanks for joining me. And y'all have a good one until the next one. So, like I said, folks, that was the episode. Um, when it comes to career changes and when it comes to just life, like, we can plan all we want, but there are definitely times when things just happen that are out of your control. And the only thing you can do is try to adjust to um, those things as best as possible. The event itself isn't necessarily the, the uh, a negative thing. It's more so how you respond to the event. And I know it's easier said than done. Trust me, I understand that part of it. But GNGs, like, that's just a part of how this, this thing called life in the universe works out. Um, 
going forward, like I said, coming up is my guest, um, Kofi, and this guy has a real interesting story on how he got into the crypto space and then like what he's been doing in life and how he's been able to move around Africa and Europe and other countries um, all within, you know, just using crypto. Hope you guys learned something and here we go. Hey, what's going on, G&Gs? It is another episode of Trek and Cryptos to Connect, and I am Trek. And today, um, I have the pleasure of reaching out to uh, a, a faraway uh, land. I'm actually talking to someone that I met through um, LinkedIn, and we were talking about writing and stuff. Um, and <clears throat> if you don't know what the show is about, um, this is Trek and Cryptos to Connect, and it's about you know, highlighting and showcasing the people who are at the ground level, at the forefront, that are looking to help expand the awareness of cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology. And this gentleman right here is definitely doing that, coming all the way from Rwanda. And I'm going to let him actually introduce himself as in regards to saying his full name, because I just call him Kofi um, for short. But if you could, sir. Yeah, yo. So um, my name is Africanus Gufiakosa Aduse. And um, in the fintech journalism world, I'm known as Frisco the Anconia, aka Crypto Traveler. I'm originally from Ghana. But um, since 2016, November, I've been traveling through Africa, promoting blockchain technologies and writing about eight communities. So currently, I've actually kind of, um, I'm based in Rwanda now, trying to travel around the countries in the Eastern African region. But um, it's just like that. I'm a nomad and an anarchist by nature, so I don't think I'm going to be here for the long haul. I'm going to move on and go to another place and keep on traveling to Africa and, and, and just doing what I'm doing and also limiting the scope that governments can get their control over me yeah okay okay all right so <clears throat> um first question then is well you got the first question on the who you are and stuff so what got you in the cryptos like what was that moment where you know what i've noted is that some people first hear and jump right on um some people hear about it like myself like i heard about it but i didn't do anything until like x amount of years later when i first heard about it um and then i've come across people who when they got into it they heard about it through like another coin first and then later came to bitcoin you know like which, which was your way how what was your um path <clears throat> to 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 um come into the space yeah, the, the way i got into this space is very interesting so way back in 2010 i, I was um running a free market chain tank in uh, ghana and um a fellow libertarian who was a a facebook friend and he, he was from the united states uh, kind of approached me and it's like have you heard about bitcoin and i'm like what the fuck is that? <laughs> and he's like, wow. 
Okay, so you can download a wallet on your PC and those days, <laughs> there was nothing like even um, a mobile wallet. And no, it took not days. at all. <laughs> <laughs> it took me days trying to download a wallet on my PC and I nearly even gave up. But I'm like, I was curious. So this guy sent me 10 Bitcoin then. I think Bitcoin was then selling at 30 cents. Mm. And it was like, you can buy stuff with this, with this, you can transfer funds to people within the shortest possible time. But it is in these early stages. He said a whole lot of stuff about it, but I couldn't grasp it. Mm -hmm. So I went to sleep for another year. In 2011, this same guy came back to me and he was like, do you know that one Bitcoin is now $30? Wow. And I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck? What is that? Just a year. So it's actually sent me on a path to research more about it. So, and for it, it took me about a month. And I, I think I focused almost all my attention on that, researching about it, reading the white paper, and I could easily connect it. Uh -huh. Here is a free market activist, a libertarian anarchist who doesn't believe in the state uh -huh. and who understands how government manipulates our money. And here is a technology that is giving people power over their own money. That is decentralizing money and a whole lot of stuff. And since then, I have never given up on this and I've, I've never looked back. Even in 2013, when we had the, then the biggest depression, a lot of friends thought I was going to leave this. So I took it up and started teaching young people in colleges about how these, this technology offers financial freedom and the opportunity to actually control their own money. And it has been an interesting Path for me. For now, that is the only thing I do. I run the Africa Blockchain University online and I write for some of the journals like Cointelegraph, CryptoCoin News, and then CoinWare Stories. And I um, also work for some of the uh, networks, the cryptocurrency networks. It's, it's not my life, it's not my philosophy. It's just like even okay. my 11 daughter knows about crypto, she has gotten one. Yeah. All right. I'm, I'm going to throw th this extra one in there then. So, like, I feel like now in my travels, as far as, you know, just talking with different people, I feel that you come across two types of people in the space. Um, there's people who are on our level of it where they live in the space. And then I, there's another set of people I call the people who live off the space. And um, the people who live off the space are the, um, I have my regular job, like, you know, my regular W-2 job or my regular, like, employer job, and I mine on the side. I, I hodl as a thing that I just do because I think that this, this crypto thing is going to be something, or I'm a... Um, I'm a, an investor, you know what I'm saying, in the technology 
um, or I do the trading on the weekends or after I go home from work. And then you have the people who are like us who are like, yeah, I'm making a living in this like one way or the other. I'm going to figure out how to get paid in, in crypto and then do what I have to do within this bigger fiat system. Like crossing that fiat crypto line, I find that there are very few of us. And I'm talking about between going to meetups, between going to summits and conferences, I noticed that. And um, it didn't, it wasn't apparent to me about that line until literally this year. Like um, I've been in the space for a couple of years, but I didn't make that crossover to be like, okay, I want to make a living in it until January of this year. Right. And it was like, the veil got lifted and now I'm understanding way much more on how things work within the space and then how it relates to like the bigger world and what your limitations are, you know what I'm saying? Quote. Um, and then like what your freedoms are and how you don't really fully understand those until you cross, you cross that, that, that divide line. You know, excuse me. Um, <clears throat> sorry, but like, yeah, I, I, I'm curious. Like, for as long as you've been in, and then for how your travels are going, um, for what you see in Africa, like, how do you see that? Because like over here, there's definitely way more people just living off the space than living in the space. How do I see it? Yeah. I think there's a lot of opportunities in this space. And if you are making a crossover, all you have to do is basically work hard and actually position yourself where your strength is, what you can do best. I, I don't even know how to type. I just type as I see the best. <laughs> yeah. And people need things to be written in this space. Yes. People need people to do advocacy. People need people to do marketing. That's what I'm doing here. I, I, I'm not a dev. As I said, I can't even type. But I, I can explain every project to everyone. I have organizing and event skills. I can write. So whatever skills you have, you can position yourself very well and do well full time. Yeah, I think if, if I'm living in this space, I'm not going anywhere, but just probably retire to my farm, enjoy my cannabis, and the rest of my life. I'm only 41. But this is a beautiful ecosystem. For the first time in my life, I feel safe, especially from African governments, who are always trying to away the shine from us. For the first time, I believe that I can securely keep my wealth for my daughters. So if you are crossing over into this space, it's just like choosing a career. Basically work hard and be focused. There's a lot for everybody in this space, irrespective of what skills you got. Like in two hours, I have a meetup for 70 people here who wants to get to know more about this question. That is it. Just come from your community, your college, even your workplace, your town, city, or whatever. Mm. Everyone needs to know about this beautiful technology and how it is freeing humanity. 
Yeah. Okay. It's funny that you say that. Like, um, so my initial approach to like, you know, making a living in the space was to be a smart contract dev. And um, what I realized was in the meantime of trying to learn, you know, solidity, I had to pay these bills. And so that got me down the track of like, all right, well, how do I make this money to get these, you know, pay these bills? Cause I'm not going to go back and, you know, work on the W2 thing. And to be in all full disclosure, if you haven't heard any of my um, daily talks or any other, other, other episodes of Trek and Cryptos to connect, I'm still a part of the um, National Guard for the state that I live in, right? Yeah, I know, so, I, I, I know you were an S-combat. Yeah, so I'm like, right now I am about 90% just crypto. And then like I started writing for a company in particular now. So like, like I was going into the, um, I was going into my hodl sack like for the last X amount of months and then the market was doing what it was doing. And I'm not a trader. I'm not, I don't have the, it's not my lane. I know a little bit more now about it, you know, and how to look at certain markers and ticker things and all that fun stuff, but not my thing. I was more so like, let me be a smart contract dev and then I'm going to, you know, learn it in three months and then I'm going to be like, I'm not going to be the greatest dev, but I'm going to be able to do enough to get with a company and then bounce around for a couple of months between different companies and then boom. Lo and behold, like I said, I needed to pay these bills. So I started writing on Medium and then I started going out to different events and then doing interviews and just talking with people. And I met this lady named Christina on LinkedIn and we were talking and I've connected her with somebody that I know, right? Um, who was in London um, a couple of months or weeks ago or whatever. And that got an interview for her because she writes. And then that led to me having my opportunity to start writing, which I honestly did not see the writing thing as what I would like be doing now for um, these couple of like weeks to months right now. And it's funny, like I'm, I don't have the formal training as a writer, never was an English major. Um, degree wise, my degree is totally unrelated. I only have a degree in fashion. Most people, when they find that out about me, they're like, really, fashion? I'm like, yeah, at the time, I was in a whole other creative space in life. You don't have education. I believe that traveling is the best education. I mean, not going to I college agree. and thousands of dollars to just get a useless A4 paper. Then you have to roam offices and look for jobs. You just have to use yeah. this, your creativity. Yeah, I've never yeah. worked for government or even an individual company before. I'm almost 41. I'll be 41 on 30, uh, 30th of December. I've always worked for myself. Wow. Okay. Um, all right. So, yeah, see, and this, this is what I'm talking about with how the conversation goes. Like, I could definitely, like, pick your brain about some stuff and then, like, we could go back and forth. Because I definitely have X amount of questions about, like, the whole, um, the, uh, you know about the one road, one direction? Um, I forgot what the new Silk Road that China's doing um, as far as the um, down into the what is that the East Coast of Africa and like what they're doing with the different countries with the with the money handout. It's, it's, it's very dangerous. 
Okay. We we gonna get there. We're gonna get there because yeah. I, okay. I, it, yeah. So right. going to the next question. <laughs> um. So. Um. When when. You're doing multiple things, right? Um, yeah. But like, I know we were talking about the the project that you're gonna do. Excuse me for like the Ghana tour. Um, what was the thing that got you? Like, how did you get started? Like, once you understood what you understood, and then you were like, okay, I'm gonna now move to get to um, have other people understand this technology thing. Like, what were some of the the I guess uh, tactics or some of the 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 basics that you did to like get the word out that hey. I'm willing to teach people, hey, I'm looking to help, you know, companies that are crypto blockchain based get their um, name out um, into the public, into the masses. Like, what was the thing that you did? Was it just, you know, um, like holding meetings and then like, well, how did you find the space? Like, how did you get that word out? Was it like just telling a friend, telling a friend, telling a friend? Or was it, oh, let me start putting out these flyers. I'm, I'm hitting up the corners and I'm putting out flyers on buildings. Like, I wonder how people, you know, make that, that first move once they get their empowerment and then they start to work to get other people empowered. So I was actually running uh, a libertarian tank tank, as I said already. And I have an, uh, an, uh, a mini annual uh, camp called the Liberty and Entrepreneurship Camp. We okay. are running it yeah, in winter and summer. So it was basically about libertarianism and entrepreneurship, how young people oh. actually oh. market institutions as well as um, start their own businesses. Oh, sorry. So we just infuse blockchain and cryptocurrency into it. So it, 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 it was um, a one week long program. We start at Friday evening time. So, so it's Sunday evening and it ends at, at Friday afternoon. So we normally set up a day aside for a whole day just to study blockchain and cryptocurrencies. And one of the features of the event was like, if you come to the event, you need to set up your own action plan that you can implement in your community or your school or wherever you think there's a need to change something. So you see some of these students who call you and say, oh, Kofi, so I came to your camp and I want you to come and talk about cryptocurrencies at my college. I want you to come to my town with your cryptocurrency evening program to my town, like that. So it, it got spreading like that with my students, with the people around me, my communities. We started running crime festival, Bitcoin, um, cryptocurrency evening, blockchain fest, and all those kind of things in Ghana and in, in Nigeria. And then in 2016, governance in the country was becoming horrible, and people were people like me were being targeted. So I'm like, I can go to Europe, I can go to North America. If I go there, I went up scrubbing floors and washing dishes. Uh, probably I wouldn't even get a visa. So the best thing for me is. Africa. Even if I have to walk, I can walk. If I have to hitch hike on the bus, I can do that. 
So I took off and <laughs> funny enough, the first country I went to was Zimbabwe. <laughs> really? People would say, why Zimbabwe? But Zimbabwe was interesting then because Zimbabwe was cash-trapped. The reason why Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies are thriving today was actually happening full-time in Zimbabwe. So I went to Zimbabwe and actually used Zimbabwe as my base. Because then um, the whole world was selling Bitcoin around, I think, 2,500 or so. And it was being sold in Zimbabwe like 4,000 and over. I so heard I, crazy yeah. like for India and then African countries I heard the spread was crazy yeah. back then so Zimbabwe was a very good place for me where I can easily spend my girlfriend because I can just change it at the only existing exchange then and then have the yeah. for me but honestly since I embark on this store I've never have a bank account because I don't have a resident family for any country I just look like I live like a normal if my visa permits me to stay here for a month, I just go out after a month and re-enter again, like that. So I, I don't have any part of low government to ask me for your taxes or this or that or require this or fulfill this. Uh, I, I'm so jealous because like I'm dealing with the taxes thing still now. Oh, um, you know, you can do it. I mean, Yo, you even have an American passport. That to travel to so many places with our business. Sometimes when I have to travel outside Africa or even some African countries and I need visa, I have to travel all the way to my home country of Ghana before I can pick visa there. And then I can travel. Can you imagine? It's, it's, it's like five hours, um, including transit, it's like nine hours flight from Harare to Accra, Zimbabwe to Ghana. And if you have to get a Mexican visa because you don't have a resident permit in Zimbabwe, you have to go all the way to Accra and get a Mexican visa before you can go to Mexico. You know, it's, the government system in this continent is one of the most horrible in the world. If I'm going to Botswana, I pay for visa of $200. If I'm going to Cameroon, I pay for visa for $120, if I'm going to Zimbabwe, um, uh, sorry, Zambia, I will get a visa on arrival for $50. Hmm. And so many countries like that. But can you imagine if I'm going to Mexico or even to Germany? In Mexico, I pay just like $32 for the visa. And, and if I'm going to Germany, I pay like $60, $70. But, I'm an African, I'm going to another African country and I have to pay $150, $120, $50. So you see, our government makes us like, we are just like our own enemies. This isn't anything like an external enemy because if you don't give that external enemy the opportunity, how is he going to subjugate you? Like you were talking about China. It's our leader selling us to them. Mm. Um, okay, yeah. so... I, I want to point something out here to the listeners in that, um, you know, like I said, Trekking Cryptos to Connect is about um, giving people the education and from that standpoint of you're at the ground level, at the forefront, and we're dealing with it. And so we understand like how this technology, how this option, how it empowers people. 
to be able to, you know, deal with um, oppressive governments, um, draconian laws, like, this is one of the things that when I look at, you know, how mass adoption in my perspective is going to play out, I see it as a bottom up and a top down thing, right? And when you look at countries that are first tier and second tier countries and stuff, I think that in the first tier countries, like the Western countries, like in, you know, Western Europe, um, the US and like, you know, Canada and stuff like that, the, the, the bottom up model doesn't play out the same way because people here don't have the experience that you just explained as to when the government's like, oh, you're doing something we don't like. Not necessarily that you're hurting people, that you're actually educating and empowering people, but it's going against us being able to control. This is what you have happen. And in the States, you know, people generally don't get that because the system works out very convenient for them. And so um, I think that like, it's gonna be a different set of how mass adoption works out within like first tier countries and Western countries, um, as opposed to countries that aren't on that same or have the same kind of setup, you know, um, and, and this is like just one of those perfect examples. This is why I look to reach out to people who are in different, you know, cities, countries, states, like parts of the world. So you, the listeners, can get what the validity or what the importance um, of the technology is in everyday life and in the bigger picture. Like, it's not just us, like, really enthusiastic techie folks saying like oh you know um blockchain everything and we're talking all this magical stuff like it's not that there's like actual practical real world situations in which this technology applies and it allows for economic freedom and economic freedom does mean um huh Economic freedom does mean political freedom. It does mean, you know, um, just life freedom. It's the of all freedoms. Economic freedom is the of all freedom. Let's yeah. take this for example. If your rights are being trampled upon and you need to go to court to restore your rights, if you don't have the money to hire an attorney, yes. where is your political rights or your social rights to go to Take it for Africa, for instance, or even in the States. If you live elsewhere and you vote is, and in another state or in another town, and you have to travel there and, and, and exercise that political right of voting, and you don't have the money to travel, how can you exercise that? Economic freedom is prerequisite of all freedom. Look at countries like Hong Kong, Singapore. They have limited political rights. Even here mm -hmm. in Rwanda, they have limited political rights. But they have a lot of economic freedom. Yeah. You see, register a business within a few hours in Hong Kong. You can register a business in a day in Singapore. Mm -hmm. Even in Rwanda, you can register a business within six hours online. 
So if you look at one of the few countries that are making real progress in Africa, Rwanda is one of the toughest. And if you live in America and you think you are having comfort and you are taking things for granted, this is what you should know. The mountain debt. The U.S. owns more than 30 trillion now. The Federal Reserve mm-hmm. keeps more money. And if you don't want to know about crypto and keep your wealth safe, a day will come, you wake up and the dollar is worthless. They are, they are exporting inflation to people everywhere in the world because the U.S. dollar is the world trading currency. But how long is that going to be? In history, this has happened over and over, whether it was Greece or Rome. They kept, you know, adulterating the gold with silver and whole lot of things. And at the end of the day, yeah, like, look what, um, wait, say that again. You got choppy there. Uncle Sam is going to go down soon because of its mountain debt. Mm. And the Federal Reserve is churning out money without any precaution. So if you are okay. you are safe. When that comes. But like, okay, so a combination on this point I'm going to make. Look at what the EU just came out about saying that they're going to look to make an alternative, alternative system to the SWIFT, um, which is what the U.S. uses to put sanctions on countries. Um, then you have it that China, China came up with SIPs, right, which is the um, alternative um, um, bilateral, like, um, country level trading, the same as SWIFT, but with um, SIPs, you don't have to be, it doesn't have to be in US, it can be in your home country's currency, right? But there, I'm kind of wondering about that system and how it's going to play out, especially when I look at what they're doing in Africa, as far as they're doling out money to be like, hey, here's this money for blah, 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 infrastructure project that you want to do but you got to take X amount of our citizens and have them work in that, in that region, in that country. Um, and then it's like, well, if you don't pay, you know, X, Y, and Z back, um, you have to sell off some um, government part of the infrastructure or what thing that you control. And this is like, wow, like, you did the same thing the U.S. did, but without the gun. Like, so, no, like I, that's how I look at it. You know, you, you did this. You, China has found a way to re-image what colonialism looks like because colonialism, as far as the rest of the world looks at it, they think like white European. But China is doing it in a very different way and they're doing it with money. And... It's just like, well, I get people need money. Like I was, I was watching, oh, I can't remember the name for this channel that's on YouTube, but they'll do like these, like, you know, top 10 healthiest um, African countries or the most a- active at, um, um, countries in Africa as far as people or whatever. And they did a list the other day that was like countries that have the biggest debt. And bro, when I heard some of these numbers, I was like, what? How did we even get that high? Like, considering the resources and 
and like it was Angola, um, Ghana was on there. I think Angola had the highest. They were like over or around 10 billion. Mm-hmm. And one of my homeboys, um, he's over there now, not in Angola, but he's in Africa now, I think. Um, and he was telling me Angola, or I forgot the name of the country, but they might have like, like uh, their system is set up where you can't export the money or you can't have the money leave the country or something. But like you have cities and stuff. So I'm like, wait, how does that work? Like, cause he was, we were talking about this whole Bitcoin thing and being able to do an exchange in that country. And he's like, yeah, but you can't do the fiat part. You can't exit with the fiat. And I'm like, that doesn't even make sense. Like, how do they lock it down like that? Anywho, I'm going into the weeds. My point being is that um, we have this technology here now that is borderless, that is permissionless. And there are certain things that I'm seeing um, for what's going on in um, the various African countries, like Senegal is about to get the um, the the 2020 Olympic Youth Games, and then you know, with every Olympic event that happens in the country, you get that Olympic Village. So I'm wondering who's going to be the person to introduce some kind of cryptocurrency into the Olympic Village setup, and then how much of it is really going to work to actually like um, help the people at the, at the local level. Like once, you know, all of the con- companies leave that did the whole project building part of it, what's the ecosystem that's going to be left behind? Like those are the things that I'm wondering right now. Um, looking even at what China's doing as far as doling out the money and then the countries that are taking it, right? And I've been asking people this question for more than a year. How do they see blockchain technology and cryptocurrency as it moves forward being integrated into the new Silk Road that China's pushing um, across Eurasia into Europe and then down into Africa? And most people that I talk to aren't tracking this for some reason or another. And I, I don't know why, if it's just a matter of like, they're not paying attention to that region. They're not paying attention to that, like what that's doing or, or if they don't see the connection. Because recently China's People's Supreme Court started doing, um, um, they started setting up these um, Providence courts called internet courts and they deal with e-commerce disputes. So eventually they're gonna have to get to cryptos and blockchain is considered legal documentation now under the Supreme Court's ruling for China. So eventually we have to get to cryptocurrencies, right? And that's just my, you know, how I'm looking at the space and what I see and the dots that I'm making. Am I 100% right? I'm not saying that at all. But on your end, I'm sorry, bro. It's just so much stuff that I have going on in my head for what I be seeing. And yeah, yeah. right, you're right. Because, yeah. um, if African Africans uh, don't embrace this, I think they are going to miss out another opportunity once again. In if the thing is, this is a permissionless revolution. So getting involved 
if you get involved, you aren't afraid of China's incursion into Africa or the sellout our leaders have sold the rest to them. You see, all these monies coming into Africa are just going into a bottomless pit. It's never going to go to people. It's just basically going to go to the private pockets of these politicians. And it's scary in the sense that China has no morality. Let's take a country like Uganda, for instance. Their leaders are subjugating the people and um, torturing them. Anyone who wants to, you know, you, you, you can enjoy freedom of expression. You can't challenge the government. You end up in jail. You get, up, you get beaten or you get killed. I mean, they are just violence with impunity and there's no one to complain to or no institution to go to for restitution. And then, I mean, they just do anything they like. And China is their number one ally. There's no way China is going to call them and say, hey, look, if you don't treat your citizens well, I'm not going to send the money again or I'm not going to finance that project you want or I'm kind of having an economic sanctions for you. So if this kind of influence increased in Africa, then Africa should, should brace for the West because China has no respect for freedom of expression. China has no freedom, uh, respect for human rights. So how is he going to ensure that his allies over here or just disassociate themselves from his African allies who have no respect for these institutions. It's dangerous. But I think blockchain is in at the right time. If people can actually get to understand this technology and adapt it, a lot of people can live free, irrespective of what their government do in bed with the Chinese. Because if you can control your own money, you can move elsewhere. If you can control your own money, this TV government can seize it. Can it can they seize all the private all the cell phones and PCs in this continent? So I I basically I'm speaking at a conference at the blockchain, the Togo blockchain conference next Saturday. And my topic is how blockchain um, can um, how the blockchain can save humanity socio-politically and economically. And these are the issues I'm exploring. If our governments can, if we can have our national budgets on the blockchain, how are they going to steal from us? They can steal from us and we can track all projects on the blockchain democratically, even if most African elections are just fraud. I mean, have you ever mm -hmm. seen an election where someone gets 99%? Recently, I was in an African country, I will not mention. There were mm. parliamentary elections and people were getting zero votes. And I'm like, so these dudes did not vote for themselves? That they are getting zero. Okay. It's basically a panacea for this. We can use okay. it to register all the people who can vote. You can use it to count the votes. No one can vote twice. Because that's... No, I... 
deepening decentralization from our communities to communities. So it is all up to the people. They need to learn. That is Africa's biggest problem. Africans will sit there indifferently to when everybody is kind of using the idea of technology, then they will come to their senses that, oh, this is good. But then early adopters will always have a good laugh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, 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 that's here. That's so here right now. Oh my God. Yeah. <sighs> that is so here right now when you try to explain yeah. it to people. But um, all right, I would, like we gotta get towards the um the ladders of the questions. So on on this next one, it's like, what have you seen as the difference for you know all your travels that you've gone through um, from when you first got into the space and then you started doing your projects to help educate and empower people to the people that you're coming across now who are coming into the space. Come again. Um, so what differences have you noticed from when you first got into the space and like what people around you were talking about? Um, and then like the people who are coming in now into the space, I find there's a difference in mentality between like the 2014, 2010 people, you know, and then like the 2016, 2017 people. Kind of. Just these new entrants are like, oh, that guy took up blockchain three years ago and he's not super rich. So I think those who got into the space early are influencing those who are entering now. But most of us who got into the space early were like, I think this is going to help our country. This is going to help our continent. This is going to help, you know, humanity. But most of the people who are coming in now are basically being attracted by the success of the early adapters. Mm. Like, I, I, have, I, I have some young people I train in Ghana, for instance, and these young people, there was no way they were going to get jobs after school because it's like either you pay bribes like $2,000 to some bureaucrat or to some politician or to wow. some kind of a dealer who always make deals before you can get it out. I'm telling you, in Ghana, you have to pay like $1,000 before you can go to police or to the army or to get a job as a teacher in the educational service or whatever it is, as a bribe to someone who can connect you. But these young people right after college were like, ah, you got crypto, you don't need a job. And you know, like, <laughs> when you have college, they have ass, they are building their houses, they have businesses, all because of crypto. And some of these guys have been paid like $10,000 a month because they work for an outfit team in a crypto space or they are leading a crypto project locally. So they are kind of influencing the other people who didn't get involved yet. And they are all kind of interested now because, oh, look, there was no way this guy could have done this. It's crypto. So it's like the early adopters are influencing more people to get into space that look, there's freedom here, there's economic freedom here. And I mean, most young people have not traveled beyond their own country in Africa. How is it yeah. going to travel to even the next country? But I've seen guys who are going to Europe and North America and even traveling within Africa because they got into this space. And they're asking more questions about what is crypto, what is that? So I think we are going to. You keep on influencing more people to get into this space at this stage. I think that is the difference. 
they, 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 they are kind of seeing some light in the spirit that I can escape from poverty. Mm. Exactly. Okay. That, that's definitely, all right, that's a different one right there. Like, I, I've not heard someone say that so far as far as like people looking at cryptos um you know here um in in the states and stuff you have a lot more of the newer people coming in looking at it with that speculative eye of oh it's going to make me rich as opposed to hey this is going to help me get out of poverty like that's a very different understanding yeah. that's mentality that is exactly what is happening here a lot of people are getting freelance jobs here they live here and work with a network that is I mean, global. For instance, when I was working with Mad Cash, some of my team members were from Australia, the United States, Austria, England, I was from Africa. There were guys from Latin American countries like Venezuela, Brazil. And we work in a workroom. All I need is good internet connection. There you go. Yeah, there you go. yeah. and I'm receiving international wages. Sometimes some of my guys who are chief executives in some companies can't get, they can't get to 10,000, 20,000 a month. Never, unless they steal from the state or from the company they are working for. Mm. But I sit in my room, not even an office, and have my office as my PC, <laughs> and I got to do the great things I'm doing, and, and, and I'm earning so well to take care of my family, my travels, and to live the dream I wanted to live as a nomad, to see the world, and especially Africa, and understand East people. It has always been my dream to do this. And I did some travels through Africa, but I did not enjoy it like what I'm doing now, because you go there, you have to stay in a hotel for a couple of days or a week, and you're out. Mm -hmm. Now I can come to Rwanda, hire an apartment, and live here for months, years, or whatever it is. When I think I'm tired of this place, I can go to Uganda, Mauritius, Botswana, Kenya, or whatever, wherever I feel like going. Mm. Yeah, like, and get to learn language, get to learn cultures, have fun I feel like, people. I feel like you're the new example of like what a digital nomad is. And, and yeah, I, I feel like you're, you're the, the example of what a new... If you really want to be a nomad, this is the time. <laughs> Okay, so let me ask this um, last two. Um, so what do you see um, as like things coming up in the space moving forward? You know, uh, you said Rwanda is, is doing some pretty interesting things. Is that like from the people at the ground level or is that like the government trying to do some encouragement? Um, like what's going on? for where you're at and like, what do you see going forward as like a possible prediction, um, good or bad? It's, it's interesting, especially for Rwanda. The government is really, really positive about the technology. And uh, it's actually building even a hub for blockchain startups to have free space to work from. And then the individuals are also doing well, like a project that is over here called Spen. It's actually a Norwegian company that has got that blockchain and they now integrated it into their national transfer system. So now in Rwanda, you can just um, 
transfer money to anyone within the country to their mobile phone without any transaction cost. You just have to load okay. your wallet, the spend wallet, you can load on your mobile phone with cash and you can buy and send money to anybody and receive money with, I mean, no transaction fees. So this country Wait. is welcoming the technology. <laughs> no transaction fee or like really small transaction fee? There's nothing like, there's nothing like a penny, not a penny. Nothing, no transaction fee. Okay, okay, all right, like that, and yeah. The interesting thing is that, they have a national policy of a KY system, know your an MLL, uh -huh. AML, anti-money laundering, yeah. and know your customer system already in their national payment system. So it is very easy for blockchain companies to integrate here. Rwanda is doing well, I must confess. Rwanda is doing well. I didn't even expect that. I wrote them off, but coming to this side, I realized that upon all the tragedy they went through, they've really worked hard after a lot of more than too many years to get where they are supposed to go to. I mean, they are far better than some African countries that got independence like 1957. They are doing well. They've been able to limit corruption. They've been able to limit corruption. And the government is uh, actually technology focused. <laughs> I, think, I think Rwanda is the only country in Africa where we can do tap and go. You go to any government event that you have to pay money, you don't pay with cash, you pay with the card. If you are boarding the buses, the public buses, you have to tap and go. You need a bypass. Okay. It's interesting. Okay. Yeah, people, and the, I mean, and the, even there are a lot of international conferences on the blockchain space that are being hosted here. And almost every week there's an event around blockchain here, whether there's a meetup there or there's somebody giving some speech that side. It's interesting. And there's a lot of talent here. A lot of young guys, if you give them 500 bucks a month to code for you, they will be glad. I'm telling you, a lot of programmers, because so they start studying this stuff from high school. The talents are here and cheap. Okay, interesting, interesting. Um, wow, yeah, I got, I got questions off of that right there. But all right, <laughs> last one, and we're going to wrap up. Um, product or service? Um, what could you say is something that you use um, that is blockchain or crypto based? Okay, so point is, I don't have a bank account. I have to rely on cryptocurrencies for everything I do. I use it to buy my tickets. I, I try to use it as much as it is possible. If I get to a place where there is no exchange, it is difficult, but it's like I can send Bitcoin to someone in, 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 in Kenya and they can send me Western Union here. And there are a lot of um, informal traders and very strangely they are very very honest there are some guys i just met them on local bitcoin here in rwanda and i can sit in my living room right now send them one thousand us dollars and within 10 to 15 minutes they are going to send me the equivalent in the local currency on my mobile phone i've never met some of them wow they're so busy i even invite them to the event they never know i don't know them from adam I just did one or two transactions with them on local Bitcoin and it got to a point that the guy is somewhere there is no internet connection. So you call him 
on his phone and he's like, dude, if you can trust me, or I trust you, let me send you the fiat. When I get to where I have internet connection, I'm going to send you a wallet and you send me the crypto. So it is like that. So I am also far away from somewhere. I can just call him. I've never met him, some of them. Hey, dude, I need this X amount of money. Can you send me when I get to where I have internet? I'm going to send you your crypto. And like that, I send him $1,500, $200, and he sent me my local currency, and it's on my phone. I can use this at restaurants, pay the car driver, withdraw some to pay the cleaner, or anyone who is working. So it's, it's very interesting the way blockchain is I'm blown away, bro, because that's like the early days of local crypto traders stateside, man. Like, um, oh, <laughs> there's another one now where you don't even have to. Um, there's another one. I call it like the 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 2.0 version of local um, of local um, Bitcoin or local traders. It's called. Um, damn it, I can't remember the name from it, but they're based out of Canada, and you can like just call the person. Uh, um, and then have an email address and a wallet and like you could be anywhere geographically speaking although it's technically not allowed in the U.S. but whatever nonetheless in, like you could be on the east coast of Canada and the other person will be on the west coast of Canada and as long as you have a mobile wallet excuse me an email address and some way to um for what you're trying to send off as your fiat to on-ramp in like boom, like in I think like ten minutes, you get that whole thing done. Yeah, and you, like that's, that's gonna. Be, okay, like yeah, that man, yeah, that that's like really dope right there. And all right, like I definitely know we can talk about a bunch of different other things for longer than this stream will allow me to record. Um, we have to definitely catch up again and do this. So. If you could just give like, you know, your contact information um, and let people know how to reach out to you. So, yeah, um, uh, you can follow me on Twitter, Crypto Traveler One. That's my handle. And I'm on um, LinkedIn as Africanus Kupiakosan, as you say. I'm on Facebook with the same name as well. You can reach out to me on Gmail. with this email, cryptotraveler1 at gmail.com. And you can also take a look at the Africa Blockchain Investy website, which is africablockchainvesty.me. And um, you can take a look at some of the courses and the advocacy projects we are trying to do in Africa and for especially African young people to use the blockchain for entrepreneurial activities. Yeah. All right. So just so everybody knows, I'm going to have all the contact information in the description and stuff. Um, if not, like, look through me on the Twitter side and you can find stuff there when you look through the friends list and all that fun stuff. Um, okay, Ahovi, I just want to say thank you, bro. Really insightful. Really enjoyed this conversation. Um, and I definitely have to sit and talk with you again, bro. Like, there, there is, like, so many questions I have and oh man i i, I want to compare notes on certain things too um so DNGs, uh thank y'all for listening you know like um thumbs up it whatever it is that you do that shows a positive sign tell a friend about it if you haven't heard anything about crypto 
stay tuned for following episodes or go back a couple of other episodes and, you know, listen in and what these people are talking about on how they're helping get the word out, how they're helping to empower people at the ground level, at the forefront of this whole thing when we talk about mass adoption and the realization that this is a global thing. This is a global movement. The technology is borderless and permissionless. This is the idea that I had behind, you know, um, Trekking Cryptos to Connect and showcasing people like Kofi um, that are out here doing it. They're not telling you about stuff that's 10 years down the road. They're, they're doing it now. They're living in the space and helping other people get empowered and understanding what this technology can do for them. Um, until the next episode, thanks for listening or if you're watching and, you know, I'll, I'll see you all for the next one. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> all right. Okay, so that was the episode. That is what it is. Um, like I said, talking about life, talking about what's going on in the universe. Here it is. I happened to meet this guy, um, Kofi, on LinkedIn, and we started talking about some stuff. And uh, then it was like, you know what? I want to have him on the podcast because he has a really interesting story. I hope you guys learned something. I hope something inspired you. And like I said, Trekking Cryptos to Connect is about highlighting people at the ground level who are helping to empower, you know, everyone else about cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology and trying to help the mass adoption thing happen. But from more so of a, a, an inclusive and, um, you know, let's actually have good intentions with helping people and the development of the technology. As opposed to just looking at, well, what's the money thing of it? How can I make a better profit or how can I, you know, control this thing? Um, I really enjoyed talking with him. This is actually like one of my longest interviews, y'all. I really um, enjoy talking with this guy. But GNGs, so if you like what you heard, check me out on um, IG, check me out on Twitter. At Twitter, it is Smart Trekking at that's T-R-E-K-K-E-N. It's not I-N-G. And then on Instagram, it is Trekking Cryptos. Once again, that's T-R-E-K-K-E-N. It is not I-N-G. Um, it sounds like that's what I'm saying, but it's not. Um, also, you know, if you like what you heard, share, upvote, like, retweet, all of that fun stuff there. I'm horrible at these call to action things at the end of the stuff, but that's what it is. Once again, special thanks and shout outs to the Latin American Bitcoin and Blockchain Conference for sponsoring me to come down next week to be able to be at their conference event in Santiago, Chile. It is definitely something I will look forward to um, having on the regular part of my yearly calendar. So they've been doing this conference since 2013 in Latin America and have gone and hosted it in different countries. That to me is like a, a, a game changer as far as how the conferences go. And I wish I would have known about this sooner and I wish I would have been able to go to it sooner to see what it was like back then. But it does also show that 
um, for the bigger thing of countries and, 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 you know, continents, like, that's a big thing, and you have people from all around the world going to that event, and I'm really excited about the opportunity that I have to go to Chile next week, y'all, so expect posts on um, Instagram, and expect tweets about it, I'm definitely going to have some interviews, and that's what it's going to be, once again, thanks for those who are new to listen, and thanks for those who are returning to listen, have a good one, G&G's.